everybody. It is good to be in your home. Thanks for inviting me in. So it's snowing outside and it's interesting. One of the questions I get asked frequently is how are you adjusting from the move from sunny San Diego, California to snowy Washington, Whatcom County? Um, and my answer is pretty good. If I'm honest, what I've found is simply this. Um, the weather is drastically different, but the people are fairly similar. And here's what I mean. Um, if you Right now in, in California, if you go to the beach, there will be people there, COVID aside. Like in the past, there would be people there and it would be nice out. It'd be uh, probably low to mid 60s. And what, what a beautiful place to be in warm weather, right? So they're doing that. They're doing their thing. So the ocean and the beach is beautiful. You look outside from your vantage point on the beach. You look out in, into the depth and the great beyond, if you will, of the ocean. And you just you see nothing. And it's amazing because it makes you feel really small. And then you come up here, the Pacific Northwest, and you look out uh, from Boulevard Park and you look out into the, the ocean right there and you see you see land. There's actually things to look at when you look out into the ocean. And that's new. That's different for me. But I love it. It's beautiful. In Southern California, we have two seasons. We have hot and hotter. And then here in Washington, we have all four seasons and both are equally beautiful. My dad always jokes, there's roughly three months out of the year, regardless of where you live, that are just, they just kind of suck. So, you know, sometimes it gets really, really cold, and sometimes in California, it's way too hot. But it's beautiful, and each state has its own thing. Each neighborhood has its own beauty as a part of it. Um, you, you do a deeper dive in, and you start looking at neighborhoods, right? And certain neighborhoods are known for different things, and things look beautiful on the outside. The lawn is perfectly manicured, right? The paint is matching everything thing and the architect of downtown looks this way and that way and it matches it, it it's the same in southern california as it is up here in washington and here's what i've noticed after pastoring for so long in southern california and then free, recently up here for about i'm coming up on a year actually it, I, i've noticed this um the people are the same and in southern california the houses look beautiful on the outside and here in washington the houses look beautiful on the outside but if you could open the door and you could look in on both of those homes, the beauty on the outside doesn't always necessarily match the reality of the inside of the home. And it doesn't matter where you are. If you're in California, if you're up here in Washington, if you're in the East Coast, it, it doesn't matter. I have just found this to be so true as you interact with people. And, and don't get me wrong, everything looks great. And you would say, overall, your life is still pretty good. Things are fine. But if we opened up the doors and if we peeked in a little bit and if we were honest with one another, we would say, you know what? Things are good, but they could be better. What this image that we portray on the outside to people doesn't reflect the reality of what's on the inside. And if if that's you, if that describes you, your home, if that describes your family or you as an individual, this series is perfect for you. It's perfect for me. It's going to be perfect for a lot of us because we're simply addressing this issue. And last week when we kicked this off, Kurt did a wonderful job of saying, hey, look, everybody, you are all part of the family of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, you are adopted into his family, sons and daughters of God Almighty, which means we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a beautiful thing. And if we're family, we ought to get along and we ought to learn how to get along with one another and we could do some things better. It's still good. Maybe it's not broken, but I think we, we could improve in a couple different areas of our lives. And so we took, look at, think of like a, a metaphorical funnel, right? At the beginning of the series, we're starting really, really broad at the top. And as we go along, we're going to get narrower and narrower. And the focus is going to get narrow and narrower. We're going to do a deep dive. And so today we're going to talk about 
your family. We're going to talk about my family, our family in our home. Again, if you could open up the doors and we could peer into one another's homes and we were to observe our families, what would we see? That's the question that we're wrestling with this morning. So I, I'm so excited that you're here and I'm really excited to talk about this because here, here's what I found. That every family has room for improvement. There are no such things as a perfect family. And for some reason, people, myself included, at times we can feel like we have the worst family in the world. And I think it just comes down to this. Perception is not reality. And if you feel like your family is less than because someone else's family appears better on the outside, I, I simply want to encourage you and say, I think your family's just normal. I don't know that it's broken. I think you're just normal. You're a human being and you live in a home with other human beings. But here's the difference maker. It's what you and I decide to build our lives, our family, our homes on. They make all the difference in the world. So I, I want to read a passage of scripture to, for us. And Jesus is going to make a fairly bold claim. And if we do this, he's going to say it's going to go well for us. And if we don't do it, he's going to say... It's not going to go well. Life is going to be very difficult. So it's found in Matthew chapter 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount because he's on a mountain and he has other people and he's giving them a sermon, right? What a creative title. But we're going to pick it up in chapter 7, verse 24. It says this. He's been doing some teaching. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it because its foundation was on the rock. And you can kind of guess where he's going with this second part. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Now, here's Jesus' bold claim, but I also think it's helpful. Here's what he's saying, and it's point one in your notes. He's saying this. We can handle any storm that comes our way when we build our lives with Jesus as our foundation. Did you catch that? Here, here's what he's saying. We can, build, we can handle any storm that comes our way when we build our lives with Jesus as our foundation. Now, that's an arrogant statement. That is a bold statement because he's simply saying listen to everything that i teach you and tell you to do and you're going to be able to handle whatever life throws at you whatever storm comes your way but if you don't you won't now that's incredibly arrogant and bold unless it's true and if it is in fact true it's very helpful and it's very loving and I want to argue and plead and hopefully coerce you into believing and trusting and putting your faith that Jesus' statement is in fact true. And your life is still good. Things, things are fine. I get it. But they could be better. And the way that your family and my family and our lives could be better is if we take the teachings of Jesus Christ and we build our lives, we build our family off of those teachings. That becomes the foundation, the rock-solid foundation. So when the storms of life come, when life gets crazy, when things are unpredictable, we will be able to handle whatever comes our way. I want to show you a picture of a lighthouse. It's a very famous lighthouse. And I practiced so much on trying to pronounce the name, but I got to be honest, I took Spanish in high school. I did not take French. So hang with me for a second. This is a famous painting. This is La... <laughs> I'm going to screw it up. La Humant. Hum, Humant. La Jum. 
someone someone once told me if you don't know how to pronounce it, just kind of mumble your way through it. So it's Lodge. Anyways, this is a famous famous lighthouse, and this picture was taken in 1989, and it's off the coast of France. And in fact, there's about three of them that are famous, but this is the most famous of the three. And these things are out off in the coast a little bit on rock formations couple boulders or massive mounds of rock that have been assimilated and put together. Naturally, not not people with tractors or anything like that. So they have this rocky foundation here, and then they build this massive, massive lighthouse on top of this thing and the firm foundation. And here's what's fascinating about this is every winter, the storms come and beat against these lighthouses. They take out boats, and every once in a while, they take out lighthouses if they're not built on a firm foundation. Now, this picture was taken by the photographer because this was the last year that these lighthouses were going to be manned. They were going to be operated by human beings. They were switching over and everything was going to be automatic because it's incredibly dangerous. I mean, look at the waves and there's no land around here. It's, it's way off. So you have this lighthouse here and these massive, massive waves. And the reason this picture is so famous is because of this right here. That's the guy who works here. He's working there. And so the story goes that he, well, a lot of people think that he died seconds after this or that he was somehow photoshopped in. He's not. The story goes that he's in there working at the lighthouse doing what lighthouse keepers do. I, I don't know what that is, but making sure the light's on, I guess. But he's in there and he, he hears a helicopter. You don't hear helicopters around the lighthouses. So curiosity is peaked and he goes outside, opens the door, looks out, sees the helicopter, sees the massive wave, does what any normal human being would do, sees the wave, runs back inside, shuts the door and then hides for safety. And this, the photographer snaps it at just the right moment. If you watch the documentary, you can find it on YouTube or whatever. He says it it was just luck that this guy just showed up right in the nick of time to open up the door and he just happened to capture the photo. What's fascinating to me, look at the man and then look at the sea. This is incredible. These are fierce waves, huge storms that beat over and over and over against this lighthouse. And yet it stands tall. It's a fascinating story. You can read it and and watch the documentary online, like I said. But the idea is simply this. When you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, when we build our lives on a firm foundation, when the storms of life come and they beat against our home, they beat against our family, they beat against our lives personally, the outside world should see us standing tall like this lighthouse. It's not because the lighthouse is so sweet and fancy. It's because the lighthouse was built on a firm foundation. It, get this, it was designed to handle the storms. And what Jesus is going to tell us, and what he already claimed, is if you listen to what I say, and you put it into practice, you too will be able to handle the storms of life that come your way. It's as if he's saying you're going to design your life so that you can handle anything that life throws at you. So, with this in mind, um, how do we actually do that? You know what I mean? It's one thing to read a Bible passage and go, hey, that sounds really, really good. But how do we actually do that? Well, Jesus told us twice in that second scripture, and it's your second point in your notes. We build our foundation by hearing Jesus' teachings and putting them into practice. It's literally that simple. You hear what Jesus says, and then you start practicing what he said to do. Now, the Bible's a thick book. There's a lot of pages in there. There's a lot of words in there. So what exactly did he say, and how do we do it? I want to I make this visual for you. So there's a chart. This is called the Wheel of Life. 
And I, I've adopted it and kind of modified it from Zig Ziglar, if you remember him from back in the day. But the idea is this. This is your life. It's kind of a pie chart. It's made up of, of big categories. There are other categories, but these are the big categories. You've got your spiritual life, your career, your job. You've got your family. This is your nuclear, your immediate family, as well as extended family. Your finances, that's a big area. Your intellectual and mental health the things that you think about and how you process and make sense of things, your body and your health, you've got the social life and you have your emotional life. And the whole idea is this. This is a wheel. So if one of these categories or one of these spokes, if you will, gets out of alignment, the wheel doesn't roll nearly as well as if it is perfectly aligned. Are you with me? So far, so good. Now, these are the major categories, and Jesus will speak to every single one of these aspects of our lives. So for you and I to build our foundation, to build our lives off of Jesus as the foundation, if we're supposed to do this, we need to open up our scriptures and understand what Jesus is saying about every aspect of our life. And real quick, Jesus is in the middle here because you, you don't just put Jesus first in your life. You, you have to put him in the middle of everything so that he touches everything. Because if you just put Jesus first, it's like you just put him in this box. But he has a lot to say about your career and how you spend your money at your career. And he has a lot to say about your family and what your family should be known for and what it shouldn't be known for and what makes a healthy family. He has a lot to say about how you treat one another. He has a lot to say about your emotions and how you process things and the things that you think about and how to transform your mind to think of heavenly things, things from above, not things from below. So we put Jesus right in the middle and he'll speak to all of these things. Now, to be fair, I don't have enough time this morning to walk through every aspect of the wheel of life and your life, but you'll talk more about this in your small groups. In fact, you're going to spend a significant amount of time looking at scriptures, finding scriptures, and talking through every aspect of their life. So I, I hope you'll do that in small groups this week. It'll be great conversation. But the idea is this. If you're going to build your life off of Jesus as the foundation, you have to understand what's going on here. But you can't just do this once. You can't just read a verse about your family and then be good. It requires consistency. And so here's the point. Here's your third point. Building our foundation on Jesus requires consistency. Sundays alone won't do it. You have to do it Sunday all the way through Saturday and then start again the following Sunday. Pastor Craig Groeschel has a wonderful quote that I think says this very well. He says, successful people do consistently what other people do Occasionally, you know this to be so true in your life. If you've ever tried to diet and exercise and lose weight, you can't just do it one day and be good. There's a consistent theme. You have to keep going. You have to keep going. So with all this in mind and the rest of our time that we have left, I want to be very practical. We're building our lives off of the foundation of Jesus Christ and his teachings. So like with any building, you need four walls. So I want to walk us through four walls, four categories, four things that will help you build your life upon Jesus as the foundation. So you ready? You got notes? You got paper, pen? Here we go. Let's dive in. The first wall that you have to put up in your home is communication. It is the wall of communication. You have to be able to communicate with one another well. I am convinced that almost all the problems in our relationships, let alone family, marriage, business, whatever it is, I'm convinced that almost all of the issues that happen are due to poor communication. Just think about it. You ever been, you ever been in a conversation with your spouse and the, basically it whittles down to this. It's, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Like you can be in a conversation with somebody and can be completely right, but still wrong. 
Communication is so incredibly important. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now I want to repeat it again because it's super important. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What if, what if that summarized the way that we communicated with everybody? We were quick to listen. Not quick to listen to wait for them to be done talking, but quick to understand, to empathize, to put ourselves in their shoes and see their perspective. What if we did that first and we were quick to do it? And we were slow to speak, which is helpful when you're trying to listen. And then when it's our turn and we're, we've processed and we have heard what they have said, we will become slow to become angry. What, what if that was the routine and the mindset? How, how would your relationship with your children be different? How would your marriage be different? Conversations, business meetings, I'm willing to bet they'd be significantly different. They'd be really helpful. Because, listen, verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. What's the moral filth and evil? Well, I I don't know. Maybe not listening to people and not giving them the benefit of the doubt and just becoming angry at the whole world. That might be some of it. Because, verse 22, and he reiterates what Jesus says. Verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Jesus says, you need to hear what I said, and you've got to put it into practice. And James reiterates, and he says, don't just listen. You have to do these things. So in the way that we, you and I communicate, as we're building our home and our family, that wall needs to be so strong. That The way you and I communicate with one another needs to be so strong. And one of the things that will help your communication be strong and be built upon a firm foundation is being quick to listen, slow to speak, and being slow to become angry. Well, every home needs more than one wall, right? So now we're going to build the marriage wall. And if you're not married yet, stay tuned. This, this is important and it'll apply. And if you're going to be married, stay tuned. Take notes. This definitely applies, okay? This will be very helpful. Um, the marriage wall. And ha- have you ever gone into someone's home and they're married, but you, you just feel a tension in the air? You, you can feel it. it. It could be a restaurant and you sit down to eat with them. But when you're in the presence of people and their marriage is not strong and they're fighting and there's strife and there's anger, you, you can just feel it. And the kids can feel it growing up in the home as well. So we have to build our marriage on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his teachings and not just our feelings. So. What are some of the teachings? Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. And anytime Paul, listen, this is written by Paul. Anytime Paul tells his people to do something, he tells the church to do something, it's in light of what Jesus has already done. So we're going to read this passage and he's going to say, do this because Jesus has already done this for you. So he says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one or being one in spirit and of one mind. This is what Pastor Kurt talked about last week, right? Being unified. So he says this, verse 3, he says, do nothing. Underline, circle, highlight that word. That is such an important word. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interests of the other. So basically what he's saying is, Steve, don't be selfish and value your spouse above yourself. (laughs) That's the foundation. That's how you build a strong marriage. That is the foundation right there. Put your wife's interests ahead of yours. Wives, put your husband's interests ahead of yours. That's what you do. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. Now, this is difficult because I'm selfish. <laughs> and maybe some of you are as well. But, but that's okay. Jesus is going to walk me through this. He's going to show me how to do this. So um, one of the things I find helpful is just, is just to say things. And I say them out loud and it helps me and it imprints my mind and it helps me just understand and really believe these things. So I want to try a little exercise. And if you're at home, you're sitting next to your spouse, you got to play along. And if you're not and your spouse isn't here, um, just play along anyways. And then you can get home and watch this and you can practice. Okay. Men, are you ready? I need you to repeat after me. You got to do it. Here's what you need to say. Okay. Her interests above my interests. Ready? One, two, three. Her interests above my interests. Okay. Now, ladies, you have to play along as well. Okay. His interests above my interests. Ready? One, two, three. His interests above my interests. If you wake up every morning and you write that on a post-it note and you put it on your bathroom mirror and you just recite that over and over and over, you will become the most humble spouse ever. And in return, you're gonna, your other spouse who sees your humbleness and your willingness to serve and put their wants, desires ahead of your own, guess what they're gonna do in return? The same thing. You have to do the same thing. That's just the natural response. When you are loved, you tend to love back. It, that, that's how this whole thing works. This also is very helpful in your communication when you're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When you're discussing something and you're trying to figure out what we're going to do, what a beautiful thing to just take a step back and go, okay, I'm going to do it your way. We can save up for this item. We can choose this color carpet. We can go on that vacation. It's it's what you want to do because I want to serve you. I don't have to get my way. I don't have to be selfish. I just, I'm going to love you. And that's how we build this on on the foundation of Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Jesus did. He humbled and he served us. He went to the cross for us. That's beautiful. So this is foundational, absolutely foundational. The third wall, again, trying to be super, super practical this morning, is uh, the wall of parenting. If you have a home and you have a family in there, parenting is an issue. And... Let's be honest for a quick moment. Parenting looks different now. It looked different when the internet and social media was exploding, and it definitely is different now that COVID is here. It's just changed it. And on the one hand, being at home with the kids more often has been a tremendous blessing. (laughs) But if we're honest, it's also felt like a bit of a curse, hasn't it? Because you run out of things to do. You're unsure. You're like, we've done this again. How many times are we going to watch this movie? Uh, we'd like to go for a walk, but it's freezing cold and your kids don't want to put on coats and beanies and all that stuff and gloves. Like, what, what are you going to do? Things are different now. So I, I think first and foremost, we just acknowledge it. And then secondly, because things are different, we need to act differently. The same old stuff is not going to work. So what I want us to do, I want to walk you through a passage This is Moses talking to the Israelites, and it's in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. We need we need a new routine as we're parenting. We're not going to solve all the issues of parenting this morning again. This is just a quick flyby. But listen to this. Here's what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So question for us parents, are our kids seeing us do that? And what are they seeing us do that is going to connect those dots? It's something for us to think about. It's something for us to have a conversation about when we put the kids to bed. We can't just assume that by going through our normal day-to-day lives that the kid, our children are going to connect the dots that like, oh, you're loving God by doing that. We, we have to show them. We have to teach them. We have to talk to them about it. He goes on. He says, verse 6, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then verse 7, Impress them to your children. So first it resides in us then we have to go and give it and instruct it to our children. He says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you see the rhythm? We have to create a new rhythm, a new routine. As we go throughout our day, we're going to talk about spiritual things. We're going to talk about Jesus. As we go through life, as we drop kids off at school, as we boot up the computer to do school at home, however you're doing it, we're going to have those conversations. It's just going to be a natural part of the way that we do life. We we come to the point where we don't even think about it. We just have spiritual conversations because it's who we are. It's just what we do. Jump down to verse 20. And here's the payoff, especially if your kids are young. In the future, in the future, when your son asks you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand before our eyes, and the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised an oath to our ancestors. Here's what I'm getting at. You and I... We need to tell the story of what life was like before we found Jesus, before we placed our trust in him. When we were still in Egypt, if you will, our old life, and Jesus got a hold of us and has transformed us and is still transforming us. And what he's teaching us today, we we have to be storytellers. We have to tell our children these things because, because Moses said it, the day will come when our children, our sons and daughters will come to us and say, what's the meaning of this? Why do you do these things? Why do you and mom always pray together? Why do we do it at the dinner table? Why do we do it before we go to bed? I see you with this book early in the morning and a cup of coffee and you're always scribbling things. What are you writing about? Why are you always at church on Sundays? Whether streaming or in the building or whatever the case. Why do you do that? And if you were to add up all those hours that you have been in church, that that's a lot of time. You could be doing something else. And it could be good. Why, Dad? Why, Mom, are you choosing to do this? <laughs> and, then, and then you and I have a wonderful opportunity to instruct our children, to continue having spiritual conversations, not a talk, but an ongoing conversation with our children, regardless of their age, of what Jesus has saved us from and where Jesus is having us go. And may the day come Years and years down the road where our children look back at us in amazement, not at our obedience, although that would be cool, but the amazement of what Jesus has done in our families. Fourth wall. If you're going to build a home, you need at least four of these. 
<laughs> Otherwise, it's just going to fall over or get cold. The fourth wall is this, um, peace. It's the wall of peace. And I, I learned this from my father. He said, this is one of those conversations when you're older with your dad and you're hanging out, having a cup of coffee, and you're just talking life. And, and he slid this one out. And he said, Steve, I, I tried to do a lot of things with our family and in our home. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. But the one that I fought for and your mother fought for was that our home, your home growing up, and still today as an adult, when you come home, that you would feel at peace. And it would be the peace of God. It wouldn't be because, you know, we have calm music in the background and incense is burning. And no, 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 none of that. Just you would feel at peace. We might use the phrase, I just feel at home. That's the idea. That you and I, or Steve, you and your brother, you would go and you would come home and you would feel peace. Regardless of what happened at school, at work, at the gym, on the trails, regardless of what happened anywhere in your lives, you could always come home and you would find peace. Even when there was conflict in the family, we tried really hard to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. It didn't always work, but it worked a lot of the time. We wanted there to be peace even in the midst of conflict because we knew we knew that you were for me and I was for you. We were for one another. And that was never in question. And we wanted that to be so significant that it would be felt for not just you and your brother, but anyone else who came over to our home. Not, again, not that we were perfect because we weren't. Not that we didn't have issues because we certainly did. But overall, when you walked in to mom and dad's house, you could be at peace. There's a verse for this, and here's how this works. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And my dad would lean over at the coffee table, pull his glasses down, and say, There was a lot of petitioning <laughs> with you growing up. There were a lot of, Jesus, thank you, but also, I have some requests to present to you. And they'd go through the list. And listen, listen to what happens when, when we do this. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This, this is how we get peace in our families. This is how we get peace in our homes. We must petition Jesus over and over and over and over again. And the byproduct of that is peace. And it surpasses all understanding. It does not make sense. But you can just feel it. And I have found that that's all people need. Some of you in this season, you, you have not recovered yet from 2020. In 2021, you were hoping and praying that this would be the year and suddenly because it was a new year, everything would be great. And that's not the case. And you're listening and you go, okay, Jesus is the firm foundation. I got that. And you're building these four walls of your home. Like that's a cute little picture. I get that. But I, I can't build any of these walls because I am so overwhelmed right now. And marriage, okay, let's just push pause on that. It is what it is. And I can't deal with that. But this peace thing, that sounds really exciting to me. But I am so overwhelmed, I don't even know how, where to begin, how to start. What do I do in this moment? Because I am at home with my kids all day, and it's driving me nuts. And we're trying to, my husband works, I work, and we're trying to be at home with our kids and do a school thing, and both of us work full-time jobs. How, how do you do that? How do you have peace with that? And I simply want to say, I, I don't know how to answer that completely. I can tell you what I've tried and what has worked in my life. And I, I want to encourage you the same. And it's, it's the words of Jesus. It, it's what he invites all of us to do. 
my wife and I, you and your spouse, your family, everyone. Here's what he invites us to. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What if we just started there? That regardless of what is going on in your life, I I know the finances are crazy. I know everything is nuts and the politics and the COVID and all the things, right? I, I Trust me, I understand. I'm living it just like you are. But maybe the first step for you in building on the foundation of Jesus is just trusting him enough to go to him when you're weary and burdened. And he will give you rest. Sometimes I think we're so preoccupied with the solution, we fail to realize that we are so tired that even if we had the solution, we don't have the energy to implement it. We need rest. And here's what he says, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is telling you, what he's telling me, is that if we go to him, he will give us rest, and he will show us how to build these walls on the foundation of him. Of, the, of his teachings, of his wisdom, of his love for us. But it, it starts there. We have to actually go to him and realize that we need help because we can't do this thing on our own. And I tend to be pretty stubborn and I don't know, think that I can do anything because whatever. Maybe that's a pride issue. I don't know. But for me to admit that, Jesus, I do in fact need your help is, is difficult for me at times. And so I have a beautiful spouse who will look at me and say, Steve, you need to go talk with Jesus. <laughs> go for a walk and then take a nap. You need to rest in the Lord. And when you wake up, let's go have a conversation where we're quick to listen to Jesus. Then to one another. And we're slow to speak to Jesus. Because when we're praying, we, we're going to give him the list. We're going to present the requests. But we also have to wait. We have to listen. We have to hear. And then when things aren't operating as quickly as you want them to be, or the way that you want them to be, you can't get angry. You've got to be slow to that. And as you start working on your communication, and you're working on having peace in your home, and how you parent, and the way that you treat your spouse, none of this will build, none of this will stand the storms and the waves that come in our lives if we are not first able to come to Jesus and say, I need your help. And so in the weeks to follow, we're, we're going to do a deeper dive into some of these topics, especially on that wheel of life. But this is the first step. Otherwise, like I said, you have all the information. You may even have a strategy, but you do not have the energy and the supernatural strength to build this thing. We need Jesus Christ. So that's the first step. I, I gave you a lot of information this morning. It was designed just to kind of pique your curiosity and to help you navigate. And maybe this week you can apply one of these things. But I'm telling you, you won't be able to apply it unless you go to Jesus and say, I need help. Show me how to do this. So let's pray. Father God, may we be people that set our pride aside and we come before you and we say, I'm tired. I have been doing this thing on my own. And I'm burdened, I'm weary, and I need help. Father, would we be humble enough to do so? And Jesus, as you take our hand, 
and you began to lead us down this path. Father, I pray that we would be so quick to listen and slow, so slow to speak. (laughs) Would we just be taking notes, Father, of all the things that your son would instruct us to do? And when we get tired and when we fall, would we look to him as he picks us up again, grabs our hands, and again, we continue walking down the trail. I pray, Lord, for the families that are just feeling... I don't know, status quo, that 2020 was, I mean, it is what it was. It was inconvenient, um, hurtful, and on many levels, we took a step back. But overall, yeah, we're still good. I pray, Father, that our families would never settle for being good. That you, Lord, want to do a miracle in our lives. So, Father, like the picture of the lighthouse, when the world looks at us, when they see us, they see our lives, when all hell is literally breaking loose around us and we are standing tall, I pray, Lord, that they would see you and your goodness and your love in our lives. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we go, I'd like us to respond in singing one last song. So whether you're at home or in your car, streaming, wherever you are, would you just take a moment and come before Jesus? You're weary, if you're burdened, come to him. He'll give you rest. And let's respond in worship this morning.